I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cold Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Happy continued new year, everybody. This is AJ just coming up at the start of the most disappointing films of 2019 part four my god we really do do talk for a long time with these episodes don't we uh just to let you know that this is part four and if you want you can go listen to part one two and three which came out the first two at the start or the middle of 2019 and part three was last week so this is continuing that conversation uh if you want to know what we're going to talk about and when we when we're going to talk about it if you want to avoid spoilers uh there are time codes in the show notes below and a couple of times in this episode we mentioned some videos that we've made all over on the cult popshire youtube channel uh and you can go and check them out the the links to them will also be in the show notes as well um but beyond that please enjoy the rest of this episode and i'll be back at the end with a little outro okay big release frozen 2 um we're up to frozen 2 already yeah yeah There, there, there was like a month when nothing came out um although there are films that came out in that time that we didn't know were coming out and so we'll get to them later on um so we haven't forgotten jojo rabbit um but frozen 2 uh what do we think i thought it was fine it was pretty good had a good time yeah i only watched the first one uh for the first time a week before it came out um and you know what um a little bit late to the party frozen one is great (laughs) (laughs) Um, i like because i missed all of the like I didn't watch it when it was like this is the greatest film of all time, and then I and then there was the oh it's not even that good um, the parental backlash or whatever, <laughs> and then so I, I actually watched Moana Tangled and Frozen all for the first time this year, um, and you know what Frozen's the best one Frozen's fucking real good yeah let it go what a good song. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man yeah I, really so I disagree Olaf he's so funny. Okay, that's enough. We're talking character. about Frozen Two here, Richard. Yeah. I like I like Moana better than Frozen. I think the I, songs I of Moana are way Frozen. better. I like all of them more than Frozen Two, which isn't to say that I don't like Frozen Two. <laughs> I think that Frozen Two is perfectly fine, but I think it it gets it gets itself bogged down in complexity that's inappropriate for a kids' film, and it pulls the core cast apart for too which much. Is such a sequel trope, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so my biggest thing is that I feel like the big lesson that was learned at the end of Frozen was that Elsa realizes that she can't be isolated and alone and apart and everything. Isolated. And then this movie proceeds to basically make all the action 
like it's necessary for Elsa to strike out on her own and follow this voice on her own and and do everything on her own, even yeah. when Anna's constantly being like, "Don't go anywhere without me." And it's like, yeah, that's the lesson that you learned at the through the last film. And mm. then the end of this film, she's like, "Okay, I'm going to leave you now." After discovering again that you're like amazing in my family. Yeah, it is like it's it's aimless as well without having a villain. There's um because well, the is- villainy is colonialism. Yeah, the, the the closest thing to a villain to like a is single villain is their grandfather. Yeah, um, history. Yeah, history. Ooh, yeah. the <laughs> sins of the the father. Um, yeah, but and also the other thing is that it feels like uh, there's a lot of attempts to try and recreate the success of Let It Go, like Into the Unknowns. Clearly, you know, supposed it's a to banger. Be. I had that song in my head for two days. I freaking AJ, love do the it. Thing. Um, <laughs> Into the unknown. That, yeah, that's I don't my know. favorite I, part of the movie is that little tune. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, <laughs> the best part of the movie for me was Lost in the Woods. Um, what a fucking good I, song! <sighs> and and I know you're conflicted about this, AJ. Yeah, <laughs> I've got such problems with Lost in the Woods. Okay, so Lost in the Woods is fun. It is funny, undeniably funny. But do you know what it feels like it's from? An episode of Flight of the Concords or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. and, do you want to just quickly explain the, what song that is? So 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 it's it's the song that um Christoph, is it Christoph sings? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when, because he wa- he wants to propose to Anna the whole movie, and then she goes on an adventure and, and leaves him, and he's real worried, and he sings a song that's basically about how he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's in love, but he's worried he's going to lose her, um, which is kind of a weak, you know. Side note is is a weak character arc to put him through because it's one of those things that could just be solved by communication, which the characters are yeah, good. We at. need more strong <laughs> male characters though, <laughs> with with agency. Um, and so, so it, the. the <laughs> The the song's placement, its idea, its themes are perfectly appropriate for where it fits in the film, but it starts them like pulling down a pine cone from a tree as if it's a, a microphone and, and it's done like what genre is it is it parody? It's like, like an eighties ballad, like which it and suddenly like cause you know how shows like Flight of the Concords and Crazy Ex Girlfriend, they do a lot of style parodies. Yeah. They'll do like this is this is the parody of like Crazy Ex Girlfriend has a great one called Ping Pong Girl, which is a parody of early 2000s simple plan blink 182 kind of rock ballads and it's real funny but that's in a comedic tv show this is a this is a film it's which a kids movie aj it's no, no 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 listen i'm let me finish let me finish this jeremy i'm gonna let you finish this, the thing about frozen the, the thing i admire about it but at the same time is where it probably falls flats flats flat is that I this movie takes itself takes its world and its fantasy very seriously which is a cool idea that I don't think they quite pull off and it's things like doing an 80s power ballad that kind of make me go well why should I take any of this seriously if, yeah but well, fuck it what it's, a good it's, song eh? absolutely, <laughs> absolutely it's funny it's great in a vacuum put into a movie which has got all these wonderful world building ideas I think it, it it didn't feel right. And I felt similar about the songs in Frozen 1, that they don't suit the world of the film a lot of the time. Um, but also, because uh, Weezer do a cover of it over the credits. Like, you know, they, they always get, like, a popular artist to, to do it. Well, and it's not Weezer. It's um, uh, uh, Panic at the Disco, isn't it? They, they do Into the Unknown. Oh, right. Um, oh, of, of Lost in the Woods. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and fuck, man, what a good... What a, what a tune. What a fucking tune. <laughs> That's like... This, uh, you know, this is probably one of my favorite film of the year, just because of Lost in the Woods. <laughs> the thing, <laughs> the thing no, that the um, thing that frustrates me that I 
where the film really lost me was when she gets to whatever the land is across the sea. Into the unknown. Yeah, she gets into the unknown. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it goes into this very conceptual kind of like she's in a cave. And but like is it a cave? The voice <laughs> is, is it a her voice? <laughs> calling to her to realize yeah. that she... And she's so alone. That's the thing. Her whole thing is like, I'm alone and I want to be connected and I feel like I'm drawn out to and I'm, I need to find answers and it's going to fulfill me or something like that and for me I was like I really want this to be a connection moment I want it to be a moment where she finds someone all that sort of stuff and she just goes there and she is in this black void and she kind of just discovers that she's the power that she needs and I'm like that's such an empty like ultimately, it's very like, vague as well it's right? so like vague it's, because it's, it's, it's very like, like we couldn't think of a good thematic um, and like external marriage here. The most and, mo- and the most concrete thing that happens is she gets a new dress. You know, like in, in that yeah. moment where like Iconic. she she discovers that she's the fifth element, which is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a bandage dress. Um, but the thing, like, the best thing that happens is that she she finds out that it's her mother's song. Like it's a song that her mother sang. But again, it's just a memory. Like it's a memory that's locked in this cave because water has memory. Oh my gosh. Can I just say that like just stating something five times in your movie before you need that to be paid off doesn't make it a fact. Like, oh, and, and it starts out, it's, it's, it's first introduced in like, like an Olaf says it and it's a joke because it's like dumb things. He's like shower thoughts he's having as they're going on their journey. Yeah. And I don't, if that yeah, is exactly. genuinely what your movie is saying, I don't think that's the way to introduce it. And also what does water have me having memory mean? What is, <laughs> what, what is the real life application of that idea? And, and, and I think that's <laughs> that thing you, that that's exactly the problem with the whole movie. Like what are, like what is the context for this thing that you've just put in front of us you know like what like it's very vague you're just stating it as a fact but we have no idea what it really means and that's kind of a lot of the stuff that happens like for instance the fact that elsa is she ends up being frozen in that cave when she sees the truth of what happened and it's just like why is she frozen and then it's just like Anna somehow realizes that she needs to undo the evil that was done or she'll get frozen too Um, but she like somehow understands that Elsa is going to perish forever if she doesn't do this thing. And it's just yeah. like, it's, I think it's a sisterly bond. I believe that uh, I'm not a girl. I don't have the a thing sister. That, the, the thing, thing, thing that, that also frustrates me is that she realizes that they need to destroy the dam, but I'm like, Hey, you know what? You could actually just dismantle the dam and let the water out slowly over like three days. And it wouldn't like destroy the entire kingdom of Arendelle. You know, <laughs> it was like, no, 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 let's destroy I, it all yeah. at once. I saw the trailer for this movie when it came out and I was like, this looks fucking dope. Like it looks, it reminded me of like Spyro, the dragon games, like just with the, the, like they go to like the autumn forest. And I really like the, the idea of like, maybe they explore other seasons and, and mm-hmm. people who have the powers of other seasons. Um, even though, you know, I just dismantled the elemental thing from Spider-Man Far From Hope. <laughs> I was welcoming it in Frozen 2. And as you the, the best thing it, about, it was like an hour ago. yeah, the, the best, the best, Best thing about this movie is its emphasis on world building, and the worst thing about this movie is that its world building isn't good enough or internally consistent enough. Yeah, well, and like for instance, like the the wind spirit is just the wind, but the fire spirit is this like super cute plush toy. Yeah, available yeah, yeah. on all good toy stores. Um, <laughs> I did think um, one thing that was kind of cool about this movie is that it didn't do the easy sequel thing of giving. Well, okay. It didn't do the easy sequel thing of giving Elsa a love interest, but there was that big um, 
the whole give Elsa a girlfriend in Frozen 2 thing. And I think they didn't not do it. Well, it, I think it's very clear that at some stage in the writing process, Honey Marin was supposed to be her, her love interest. Mm. Because the thing is, she does end the movie moving in with yeah. with like her people at least. Yeah. And so, and I think that the it would have made so much more sense if the voice was in some way linked to Honey Marin, like, you know, right, like yeah. tying this, together this the threads of like the past and history and her identity and also like giving her yeah. someone, you know, like actually mm. connecting her. And like, like mm. this is what I was talking about. Like I wanted connection for Elsa because the whole point of these movies is that like connection and love is kind of greater than finding out you've got like un- unimaginable power mm. um so yeah i just thought it was interesting that that was a real that was a, a, a chunk that was missing and i feel like it was written in and then taken out right and also not didn't not doing something is starting to become just as bad as not doing it yeah. i think yeah uh yeah, yeah fair enough I, I mean i i think it was like i don't know i, I like I, I think she's still uh powerful character for not having a love interest regardless of the gender yeah. of the love interest but yeah. they gave her a companion i guess yeah mm. um but they removed her from her sister which i think that was that that bugged me that they removed her from her sister by the end although she still goes back for charades <laughs> uh okay Hooray. so oh, the funniest part of the film though when um Olaf is like <laughs> um when he's doing charades and he does the like real swinging his hips and like elsa <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, I loved that, but I also liked Samantha. Samantha, I don't even know a Samantha. Yeah, um, Olaf was great, man. Yeah, As someone yeah. who was only very recently introduced to Olaf, oh, what a character! <laughs> um, Have you guys seen this Olaf character? <laughs> My goodness, are they toys of him? <laughs> Does he have his own animated short film spinoff that played at the start of Coco? Uh, okay, next big release. This is on my top ten for the year, um, anticipated and. Um, in my just end of year list uh, Knives Out oh yeah now you two both put this as your number one film of the year eh? oh yeah yeah man mm. I, I put it a little bit lower down I was told that this film would be the second coming of Christ by AJ and then I was like this is real good um, <laughs> I maintain it is the second coming of to Christ be honest, I am- to be honest Richard were you that much a fan of the first coming of Christ <laughs> <laughs> if you love Christ you'll love this one <laughs> Invite Knives um, Out into your heart, Richard. <laughs> uh, dude, Knives, I, I am enamored with this film. I you should do a video I, about it. I am doing, I'm currently in the process of editing <gasps> a very technically complicated video about it. Uh, and it might be out by the time this podcast is out. It might not be. I, I am obsessed with this movie. Like, remember how... Um, and this is not necessarily talking about Knives Out, but but this slate of movies as a whole. Remember how in the first part of the year when we did our most disappointing of the year so far, how we talked about how Endgame felt like it was so good that it sucked all the fulfillment out of every other major film of the mm. year and how everything was a little bit disappointing except for Endgame? I no longer hold that belief. Like, the second half of this year gave us so much good stuff. And yeah. oh my God, I am, I am, I've, I don't remember the last time I've been, I was as obsessed with a movie movie as knives out like I, i'm i'm re- i've listened to the director's commentary for it i've i've like i'm gonna read the script which is online buy all the toys i'm gonna buy all the knives um i'm oh, i just i love morphine. this movie <laughs> 
double check. I love this movie so much and I cannot recommend it enough. And depending on how spoilery we want to go, will depend on how much I talk about it right now. I mean, I think I think we need we should go full spoiler if we want to, but just please, if you have not seen Knives Out, do not listen to us talk about this before because it's so important to for the experience of the film to not know going yeah. in. Yeah. All right. So should we yeah. get spoilery now? Ransom okay, best best thing <laughs> best best thing about this film is that the whole second act is like a reverse who done it. Oh, it's so good. You, I said you think just, you know who did it, it, and it stops it stops becoming about finding out who it was, and all of a sudden, um, the the like moral, the true no- moral, true north of the film is the person who killed him, and you're you're rooting for her to not get found out, and it's so well handled, man. Oh my god, I love. And- like so what was what was so good about this movie is that as I was watching it, I was like, you know, you spend the first quarter of the movie being like, oh, who did it? And then it like just becomes very apparent immediately as soon as Marta starts talking that she did it. She done it. Um, she done it. And then, yeah, like I just sat there in awe of going like, how cool is it that there's a whodunit that's like completely flipped and you know who done it, mm. and now you're trying to work out how they're going to figure out who done it. And then yeah. like to actually, and then as the movie wore on, probably in the last third, I was like, okay, now we we probably are going to find out some way in which she didn't do it. Didn't done it. But I was like, this is, oh, I just love, I just spent the whole movie just loving Ryan Johnson so much. And I was like, yeah, man. original stories, man. Original stories done this well. I'm, I just, I'm all about it. Like mm. original Ryan properties. Ryan Johnson, so good, man. Yeah. I, oh, it was just so enjoyable. The- Here's some here's some things I really love about it. Um, first of all, the cast incredible. Spoilers like, for AJ's movie about Knives Out. <laughs> uh, video, sorry. Your feature length film about Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I thought that um that like people on Reddit were like, who's the best character of the decade? And someone suggested Benoit Blanc, who's um Daniel Craig's character, who's like a Kentucky-born private investigator and he's the obvious choice of best character of the film but marta is such a wonderful wholesome nice person that like like re-watching it i just i just fell in love with 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 marta so she's such a wonderful person so I, i really love that about it i really love the um the these the the movie is the movie is some of the best jokes i've seen all year and my favorite joke in it is when they tell um Chris Evans' character when he finally shows up to find out that he's not that he's well he already knows he's out of the will and his father is like you know this may be the best thing that could happen to you and then you know ten minutes later when they find out Martha's inherited everything and they're all yelling at her and Ransom gives her a getaway and, and drives her away and as he drives off he yells at his dad you know this could be the best thing that could happen to you and Don Johnson who plays the dad just goes what does he mean by that <laughs> so perfect my favorite it's so um, perfect my favorite joke in the film is when um uh, the bit for the trailer when chris evans is telling them all to eat shit and then the camera like pulls away into another room and you hear them all arguing and michael shannon's like i won't be eating one iota of shit <laughs> <laughs> which is a improvised improvised line from michael shannon um who M- michael shannon is the best actor in the film i reckon he's he's so funny in it and he's mm. so he, uh, michael shannon's amazing dude what um, i love about what i just i mean this movie's so good because if you just want to enjoy it as a good movie as like a fun time at the movies and a good yeah. who done it and a well-crafted extremely well scripted like just really tight film and you can appreciate on that level but you can also if you want to you can delve into kind of like what the movie is saying about culture and all that sort (laughs) of stuff and like ah man it's just so strong like talking about this myth of you know basically people who 
who want to feel secure and safe because that's how their father has always provided, you know, that kind of basis for mm. them of wealth and security and all that sort of stuff. And, and they're all other than Jamie Lee Curtis, they're all, um, you know, they're, they're all just sucking off the teat, but they all have this, this sense and they want to think of themselves as these self-made people who are, you know, exceptional on their very own. Um, and, and that it doesn't mean anything about them that they are happy to sit in the success of someone else until mm. it's taken away from them. And then and then they, they start like sort of, you see the artifice and just drop. And it's amazing. And, and what I love about it is that also politically, it's very naked about like putting very specific political characters who are recognizable um, in the movie and showing that regardless of which side of politics they go on, that there is this sort of like cancer that's spread among everyone, which is if if you're yeah. in, in this entitled kind of mindset, that it's, that it's just as evil regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're on. And that's that's what my video is about. Oh, sorry, um, spoilers for AJ video again. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't spoil my, my specific. Like, like there's a there's a great scene in it where they're arguing about who. You know, they're obviously arguing about Trump. They don't say his name, um, and. Uh, Don Johnson invites Marta in as an immigrant to to like give an example of of how you know look some immigrants do it right and come here legally even though she or her mother didn't um and, but they don't know that and then while he's like goes back to the conversation he hands her his dirty plate because in his mind she's a maid and it's so fucking yeah, just after saying and, and she's like and she's like one of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not the maid, and so it it does a it's it's such a wonderful job of showing a the type of person who insists they're not like xenophobic, then doing something absentmindedly that that says way more about their character than their words. Yeah, could. and 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 to me, it's when I was when I was sitting there watching it, I was like, this is absolutely the same sort of feeling that I got when I watched Get Out. Like it's absolutely it's kind of a spiritual sequel mm. to the themes in Get Out of mm. kind of like holding up a mirror to um, the US, but also to all kind of like countries that were colonized by by Britain and white people, um, and just those attitudes of kind of like. I'm one of the good guys, you know, like I can, I would have watched knives out three times if I could, (laughs) but it's that whole idea of like the hatred that they have, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, I can think of myself as good as long as I'm not the kind of bad that I don't like, or the, the kind of bad that's over there that I can point to. Which is everything in the world right now, you know, like that is what's happening in the world. It's excellent. It's so excellent. Joker. Yeah. Uh, Okay, sweet. So, uh, for more information on Knives Out, check out AJ's video releasing sometime, maybe even already on the Cult Pop YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, okay, so next up, uh, we've got what I wrote here as Jumanji Three, but it's now officially been called Jumanji: The Next Level, and also officially referred to as Jumanji Four because Zathura is part of the canon. Um, so, there's a fun fact for you guys: uh, Jumanji: The Next Level. Thank we you. all saw this year. Oh yeah, uh, what a fucking good time, eh? Yeah, yeah, man. What a fucking good time. All right, um, next one. <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna, I don't know how much I have to say about this other than what I loved about the first Jumanji, and I said this last year. By the first Jumanji, you mean Welcome to the, Jum- yeah, Welcome of, to the Jungle? Yeah, of Welcome to the Jungle, sorry. Um, what I said about that is what the best thing about it is that it's it's essentially an acting exercise. It's a drama game where you take all these famous actors and see what it's like when they play against type to, an, to such an extreme. Yeah. Um, and I love fish out of water character designs. This movie is that, but more. They do the 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 mind blowingly good idea of bringing recognizable character actors in it for the other characters to be playing, such as Danny DeVito and um, Danny Glover. And seeing seeing The Rock do a Danny DeVito impression 
my god. Oh, and it's also, like, so Kevin Hart makes up for doing nothing in the first film. I know, like, absolutely. I, I I have to say that actually Kevin Hart doing Danny Glover is so good, it's so yeah. spot on, and it was I think my most enjoyable performance, like sort of a like performance um, of any of the main cast. Yeah, I um, Aquafina as Danny DeVito is great oh, as well. So oh! good. Aquafina was a revelation in this movie. Man, <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, like, she was, she's been good in other stuff, but I, man, she was, and her, I think her Spencer was really underplayed, but yeah, it was yeah. really uh, yeah. good. A great Spencer, yeah. Um, also, speaking of Aquafina, uh, a movie that I don't think any of us got a chance to see, but The Farewell, I do really want to see that, and Aquafina's supposed to be incredible. She got Oscar buzz for it. Um, but one thing about this movie is, and as AJ and I, two people that love sequels, this is a perfect sequel yeah. to Welcome to the Jungle. It's like, gives you more of what you wanted from the first film, takes, um, ups the stakes, takes it into new locations, and um, also and, the- it also gives, gives you... Stuff you didn't know you wanted. And I think the narrative structure of the game was was better this time. Mm. I think the narrative mm. that ran through the of the like the gameplay that yeah, they like were going to deserts to, and um yeah, frozen. And 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 the fact that they were actually chasing after a main bad, you yeah. know, was really cool. And one thing I heard uh, someone say is that because it's Jake Kasdan who um who's directing this, like Jake Kasdan wants to be making a kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of Indiana Jones adventure. That's his his sweet spot of genre, yeah. and so he's taking a essentially Which you can see video something like Forgetting Sarah Marshall or the Muppets. <laughs> but like, <laughs> he like he 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 doesn't necessarily want to make just a straight video game, so he turns it more into that kind of like family kind of adventure. Uh, mm. in in that sort of epic vein, which I think is perfect, and it and it makes this movie rise above what it otherwise could be if it had a different director. Yeah. And it also expands upon like the the best thing about the first Jumanji is that it's the whole the the an avatars thing, and it expands upon that central idea. Yeah, um, he, in, in um, a way that because because remember when we were talking about this coming out, one of the things we were saying is like it makes so much sense to just keep the Hollywood stars and change the kids playing as them, and it was so disappointing to find out that they'd brought the kids back because it was like mm. what's the point in this but seeing this i'm like oh my god i was so wrong i'm and pretty sure I'm not, I'm not a, a hollywood screenwriter what they ended up like, doing that you'd put dan devito and danny glover in the game sorry also i got nicholas stoller and um jake kasdan confused jake kasdan did walk hard <laughs> oh, <right>. um <laughs> which you should so, know man yeah i know yeah <laughs> So like I just I I'm in like the the sequel that the you know the third part of this quasi trilogy that it teases at the end. Um, now I need the kids to come back. Oh, now totally. I actually am quite invested in their their stories. You know, mm. and and yeah, and the fact that they're doing what they did with the original Jumanji movie, mm. like which I also so watched for the exciting. first time a week before seeing this. <laughs> it's super exciting. I'm I'm, su- I'm really good. looking forward to the third one. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Um. Two movies that came out on the same day, well, supposed to come out on the same day. Um, which one do we want to talk about first? Star Wars Episode Nine, um, it's the Rise of Skywalker, or Cats? Should we do Cats first? <laughs> All right, should we talk about the better one first? Let's go. Cats. <laughs> so, Cats. It's been. Uh, you've probably seen the reviews. Um, this is an interesting film, and uh, we're getting to the point of the podcast where we um, have to start speeding things up. So, um, Cats is one of those films that we obviously all 
we know how we feel about it. We don't have too much to add to the conversation, so we'll sort of quickly run through. I mean, it was enjoyable. Like it. for me, it was such a cathartic release. How bad it was. I mean, I don't know if if you even want to like insert my rant about this from the most anticipated at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Like I, I mean, you know, the fact is, you can't do a good movie of the Cats musical because the Cats musical, musical is terrible. <laughs> but I think what they failed to do is they failed to make a a movie that is as enjoyably bad as the cats musical is for some people mm. so like the the biggest problem watching it for me and where i feel like tom hooper was absolutely the wrong director to do this baz luhrmann would have done an amazing <laughs> terrible cats movie and it would have been like a camp favorite and people would have gone to midnight screenings of it this although I, I still think that should happen with this one yeah i i just think tom hooper is a dramatic he's a play director like he's a dramatic yeah. he loves he loves dramatic monologues. He loves and and his big thing that he started out with on Lamer's God Save Us was the big close up of someone singing and 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 the close up on their face and cutting between like extreme or mid mid shots and extreme close ups. And the problem is this is a dance musical. It's not a musical where mm. people are emoting or there's big there's not big emotions on display. Oh, but it's, boy, there are some people swinging for the they, yeah yeah. On they this really one. try, but the the whole joy of the Cats musical is the dance. And so the one two punch of him doing crazy fast cuts between mid shot and close ups all the time is that you miss the overall kind of like uh the the really good dancing yeah. that they actually they got amazing choreographers on this the guy that did hamilton and yeah. yeah amazing choreographers amazing dancers and so you miss the formations you miss all that stuff and it goes by in an absolute whirl because the camera almost doesn't know where to look and then you also remove the actual reality of the people dancing because they're all digitally altered and so mm. you get this weird kind of i mean everyone said this but this weird kind of like uh floating hovering above the of the above the ground which the whole point the whole the thing about watching dance if you like to watch ballet is that you know you go there and you actually see these people really doing that in front of you and it's incredible mm. the athleticism and that, that's is why amazing. people go to see cats is because it's got these amazing sets and it's people uh who are having a bunch of fun yeah and and they're conjuring the idea of cats yeah. in your mind they're um embodying that kind of feeling they're not actually yeah whereas this film it's like you just can't do that and um the story is non-existent and but that that's a known issue with cats the musical um but the songs aren't even that good also trying to make mccavity the big bad that threads the whole way through the musical Mm. was a bad choice is that not a thing no no he's just not in the oh my god what the fuck is the play about no no mccavity's just a character that comes in he just comes in for the McCavity song. And he's not like, he's kind of like the sort of, oh, McCavity, he's so, he's so cheeky bad. You know, like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. kind of feeling you get. I thought Whereas- McCavity, the McCavity song was invented for the movie. No. no, no, Taylor Swift's song Beautiful Ghosts was invented for the movie. The one that's like ties into memory and then the version of it that's like the single is by Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I think it's really fun and idiosyncratic that, uh, two movies came out this year that were live action CGI hybrids of cat people or cats, I guess, big cats. Um, and they were both criticized for being creepy. Uh, but in, in, another fun addition to that is that I don't see a better way you could have done it. I just think it was doomed from the start. Both I just uh, do an animated two D animation. Like I, I don't know how better you would do either of these examples. The Lion King, it's like either you go all photorealistic or you're just making a cartoon. And with cats, it's like yeah, if it's a live action film, then yeah, you just make it them actual cat people or you don't do it. 
Mm. I don't know another way to do these things. They're just doomed from the start. Yeah, well, I mean, Cats, Cats the Musical would work as a 2D animation, I think. Well, like, like Aristocats. Right. But who would go see it? That's the thing. Like, I yeah, mean, it's just Aristocats, but with familiar songs. The, 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 problem, the problem is, fundamentally, like, it works as live theatre because it's live dance. And mm. that's the reason people enjoy it, is yeah. because it's actual people singing and dancing. And there's, there's a magic that happens when you have it happening in front of you. But the problem is, with a film, it's a completely different medium. And you need a plot to actually make a film interesting all the way through. And yeah. so it's just never going to work in a transfer to, to film. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I hope doesn't happen out of this is that studios go oh people won't go see musicals or it's impossible to do musicals well, just well. Said, um the the wicked musical it's was finally apparently happened no it was delayed so they could do cats but apparently oh. the, the rights holders of wicked are real protective of nothing usurping ticket sales so the wicked movie will probably keep getting delayed until people stop going to see the musical because they they're worried that people won't go to the musical because they can see the movie yeah whereas i think it would have a it would cause a renewed interest in the musical if yeah. anything um I, I, one thing I love about this film is how some people are like, yeah, I'm in a movie about CGI cats. Fuck it. I'm going to have some fun. And then, uh, like, Ian McCallan's a great example of his character works. He's the best part of the film. Um, but Jennifer Hudson, boy, does she think she's getting a second Oscar <laughs> when she was on set. Um, and you can tell everyone would be like, oh, my God, Jennifer, like, that performance. Oh, my Like, gosh. on the day, like, and while they were filming. And it's so dramatic. And there's a bit where she's, like, um, after the first kind of bit of memory, um, and then she, like, oh, I can't even remember if it's then, but she um, crawls away crying, and it's like, <laughs> you look so fucking stupid. I cannot take you seriously. Yes, this is a beautiful performance, but you're a cat person. It's like and you look ridiculous. It's like how like um when you're at when you're at drama school and like you're in you're in an exercise and everyone in the mm. room is taking the exercise really really seriously and everyone's like oh, amazing work because they kind of know the context that you were asked to do that in. Yeah. But if someone an a regular audience member was watching like outside the door they'd be like what the fuck are those weirdos doing? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> the the strangest anomaly with cats for me is that um, there are moments where it's like surreal universe and you know off kilter, offbeat storytelling. Take a break for James Corden or Rebel Wilson to do a James Corden or Rebel <sighs> Wilson bit. And in any other movie, I'd be like, "This is ruining the movie." In Cats, it's like. <gasps> <laughs> like I can breathe again. Finally, something tangible I can. Yeah, so you can hold on, on to. to. Yeah, but like um, James Corden's whole song about how much he loves being fat, and then he pauses it so he can make a joke about how he's real sensitive about his weight, um, which is clearly not in the script and is fucking terrible. Anyway, well, this when film he, is when baffling. When McCavity calls him a name, and he's like, "Well, I actually like that nickname." So, jokes on you. A very, yeah. a very t- twenty nineteen normal joke to be in. Yeah, the which is a funny joke. Um, okay, so uh, around the same time we had Star Wars Episode Nine, which we now know is called The Rise of Skywalker. So this film, um, a lot of people were not happy about the fact that JJ was back. I um, was cautiously optimistic. I didn't put it in my top ten most anticipated films of the year. Uh, I was expecting because The Force Awakens. I'll say it; it's my favorite Star Wars movie. The Last Jedi. I liked a lot of the ideas it presented. Not my favorite Star Wars movie, but um, I was like, you know what? I'm expecting. A not too challenging, uh, big crowd pleasing film. Uh, what I got was a film that made me very angry um, about. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not super attached to Star Wars um, a, as a franchise, but boy, this film is 
fucking trash and it's actually one of those films that if you like this film i do not know how to have a conversation with you about it this film is bafflingly terrible i right from the get-go i was like what is how the fuck is this a film and then just story beat after story beat i i I, the film continues to lose me and so i've yeah i've I've mentioned in the past we talked about on our most disappointing of 2017 podcast i didn't like the last year though not for a lot of the reasons that a lot of people don't like it i i'm happy with the story decisions it made at the time I thought that thinking a Star Wars movie was three out of five meant I didn't like it. It just (laughs) means that it's a fine movie and any other movie that scored that much for me, I'd be like, Ah uh, yeah yeah check it out it's 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 fine. Um, this is what it feels like to hate a Star Wars movie. Yeah, uh, to, to hate a new Star Wars movie. Like I I came of age knowing that the prequels were bad. Except well, I I th- I think I I saw the third one in the cinema. I didn't see the first two, and I was like, yeah, this is this is a good time. I think that might have been the first Star Wars movie I saw. Um, but yeah, the this the the Disney trilogy as people are now pushing for it to be called rather than the sequel trilogy. Um nicely um breaks up the other two trilogies for me so like i i my favorite star wars film was the force awakens and then between the force awakens and last Jedi, you have all the original trilogy whatever order they go in and then uh rise of skywalker is my <laughs> least favorite you guys think that's correct <laughs> um my least favorite uh rise of skywalker is my least favorite star wars movie um and then the prequel trilogy goes in between Last Jedi, and oh um, wow, that's really neat and tidy. Then it's, yeah, it it's, is. Yeah, it's um, like you said. And then and, and then also, if you want to, because people keep going, oh, what about um, Rogue One and blah blah blah. Um, Rogue One and Solo go either side of Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got a very symmetrical Star Wars ranking now. Um, yeah, I I cannot believe how fucking terrible this movie is it, like it's it's actually it's unbelievably bad it's i cannot believe it i'm in disbelief laughable. <laughs> like people people literally laughed i cannot believe it yeah people literally laughed in the film people and, and, made and, and, no noise in our screening i went to this with aj we went to a sold out midnight screening wow there was not a the single first, first in the world yeah. first midnight screening in the world so th- this isn't people going into yeah, yeah, any yeah. kind of um, preconceived notion this was not a single peep was made throughout the entire film and like but the credits rolled the credits rolled at the at a sold out screening of a of a midnight screening of the, of the new star wars the last star wars movie and no one clapped wow like yeah it's a real yeah. white people thing to do to clap at movies and maybe you don't think people should clap at movies but you expect it like <laughs> uh, people people cheered at a midnight yeah. screening yeah. of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, one of the worst movies I'd ever seen <laughs> up until Rise of Skywalker. Um, this is my most disappointing film of the year. This is this is a film that I was easily mildly anticipating to be fine. And I got, a, a workmanlike oh finish trying yeah. to pull together the threads of the first and the second because the first and the second were not talking to each other. And I thought that at best we were going to get a somewhat An satisfying amicable workman like like jj abrams is really good at coming in usually and like and making the disparate things that have happened in like the previous properties that he's working with come together somehow and still feel kind of heartwarming this was just poorly made in every mm. way and, and there's there's so so many moments in this film that are um so in game 
for example, is filled with these like fan service moments where you cheer and like I, I've been to um, midnight screen, plenty of midnight screenings or like opening nights, and people are like cheering and these these fan servicey moments that are super cheesy, but the fans love them. Um, Sky Rise of Skywalker is filled to the brim with things like this, and not a single peep at any of them, and because no one else around you is reacting to them, th- they become so transparent and just like oh yeah of course yeah. like there's, there's no this. there's no swell i mean i did like i had a so out of the two of you sorry aj i know we haven't heard anything from you yet and i'm i'm, I'm waiting for the bile i'm, the, to sort I'm of, jj's mystery box dude to, it's to, all good. <laughs> to, i'm waiting for the bile to pour forth but like i do just want to like put in like a little little plug for people who did enjoy this movie and i know that there are many of them out there and the thing is that a lot of the people who enjoyed this movie have kind of like it's all been kind of branded with like oh it's just sort of the cucks who hated um hated the last jedi and they they love the Mm. fact that this movie erases the last jedi like i know like i went to this movie with my dad and he has not engaged at all with the internet about Mm. he's not at all a cuck (laughs) he has no idea like why people didn't like the last year or whatever he's never he doesn't read anything about movies and so he loved uh he didn't mind it he he didn't think it was really great um but he loved the rise of skywalker and he just thought it was just a really he's like it's good fun it's good popcorn movie he didn't think too deeply about it he just sort of enjoyed the things that happened he wasn't like investigating the plot or the movie and he was like oh just and he cried at the like all the bits like where like all the original cast came back he like and when ray's like i am iron man (laughs) because when i mean obviously my dad he was lando's like on your left dad was part of the original 1977 yeah, yeah, like he, he he saw the films when they first came out in the theaters he was a young man like so for him like seeing the original members of the like the three in the original trilogy it was really important for him and he was like and so i, I get that way of viewing this movie but man if you want a decently made movie this is absolutely not and and like f- i honestly think that kathleen kennedy can't keep her job after this like for her to have it set- might not actually be her fault just a quick oh ad- but like, no no i'm sorry but she she is the architect of putting jj abrams in charge of one movie putting someone else in charge of the other movie and then planning to have someone else in charge of the, and apparently not having anyone in the role of um kevin feige or however you say his last name. There was no master plan of this universe, of this trilogy, to say, this is the story, these are the beats that we're going to hit by the end of the third film. This is where it's all driving to. But the thing is that this was my problem with Last Jedi. This is why I did not like Last Jedi. It's because they were doing the classic Lost thing. And this is why, like when, sorry, to go all the way back to Lost, but when I watched the first season of Lost, I was like, this is amazing, I love this. And then after the first season and before the second season, I saw an interview with J.J. Abrams or Damien Lindelof. Where J.J. Abrams said... I had nothing to do with Lost other than the pilot. Stop asking me about no, it. No, no, but it's the same same <laughs> problem is that I maybe it was Damien Lindelof then. It would have been Lindelof, like, yeah. He, they said, oh man, we're, we're so excited. The person who's interviewing him says, we're so excited to see what's going to happen with all of these things, like the smoke monster and the polar bears and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, we're really excited to figure out what they are too. We wrote them and we didn't, we don't really know where they're going, but now we have the task of going to figure out what these things mean. And I'm like, no, sorry, I, I, I'm not going to continue watching this if you, as the architect of this creatively, have not put these sort of like mystery boxes or these, you know, these these red herrings or whatever they are into the story, these important kind of ideas, and you you put them in and you don't know what they mean. <clears throat> 
then fundamentally they don't mean anything and I'm not interested yeah. in finding out what and so it became very apparent that with this kind of almost like telegraph kind of way of of making a trilogy they're having one director come in one writer come in and make one then another one come in and make the second one you're never going to get a satisfying trilogy and this is the problem and the rise of skywalker just shows how empty that way of making filmmaking is yeah i, I don't know I, I don't think you have to plan everything i think that there they have there are examples of things that have been made up as they go along that work but something like star wars you want well, it's an epic. Yeah, you want like, a, a, some actually, kind of vision. Epics have to have a certain type of story arc and story structure. You can subvert some of the rules of them, and that's exciting. But mm. if you subvert them just for the sake of subverting and you don't actually know what you were going to do originally, then that's not subversion. That's just finding yeah. a path that makes no sense. Now, uh, let's all hear... He's the, he's the reason you tuned into this podcast... <laughs> Alexander Jones, what do you think of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? All right. So. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. For those unfamiliar with, for those who only listen to the podcast and maybe don't remember, if you watch our videos on the Cold Popsha YouTube channel, this may be a bit more clear, but if you haven't, um, immediately invalidating my opinion for some listeners up top, I'm sure The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, it might be my one of my favorite movies. I've I, over the last couple of months because we made a video about it. I have just fallen more and more in love with this film. Um, Knives Out only fueled the fire that was my um, love for Ryan Johnson. I love The Last Jedi a lot, and. One of the things I loved about it, in fact, the main thing I loved about it was how it um, subverted expectations and how Snoke died and how Ray wasn't anyone important. And it was I didn't I I did see it as communicating with the Force with the Force Awakens because I didn't see it as throwing everything out the Force Awakens set up. The Last Jedi would not be as good as it is, in my opinion, without the Force Awakens lulling you into the sense of familiarity, only for the sequel to be like, hey, but what if we tried something different? What if we <laughs> took the series to a place that we've never seen it before? Yeah. So that's that's my context for this following rant. Uh, Last Jedi, uh, Rise of Skywalker starts. Um, within five minutes, you find out that... So you find out the origins of Snoke, that the Emperor created him. You find out well, was we already knew the Emperor was back. Um, and then you and if find you've been out playing Fortnite, you get to hear the message. The, <laughs> the, then you find out that uh, Ray is someone important to the Emperor. So obviously you find out in the first scene that she's his granddaughter. Like what, what other fucking conclusion are you going to draw but that one? Um, but because these happen in the first scene, my initial reaction as someone who would who lives and dies by the story decisions of uh, The Last Jedi, my first reaction was like, it's the start of the movie. I can't write this off yet. 
I cannot sit here for the next two and a half hours and be in a bad mood because it immediately undid everything I loved. Yeah. Whereas I did, I was in a bad mood. <laughs> so immediately I kind of shook it off and was like, well, maybe they can do this fine. Maybe it'll be fine. And so I spent the whole movie whenever something weird or you know bad would happen i wouldn't interpret it as bad and because the um critical reception had not been i was unaware of it at that point i apparently it was on ron tomatoes but i hadn't looked because of all of that i did not know whether this was you know lauded or um lamented you know and so everything bad that happened, my reaction was, that's an interesting story decision. I don't quite understand it. I'll ask someone about it later. I spent the whole movie thinking everyone's going to love this movie, so I'd better love it too. <laughs> and so I did not react negatively to anything in the film, except for the fact that um, Finn tells Ray that he's, he wants to tell her something and when and it gets brought up a few times and then it's never told to us what it is he wanted to tell her. And so as the credits rolled, the first thing I said was, so what did Finn want to tell Ray? And I said it with such negativity that my internal, my you know, internally I was like, yo, you came in hot with like a negative opinion. You'd best be careful. Are you being too negative? And I turned to Richard and Richard says to me, was it just me? Or was that really bad? Unbelievably bad. <laughs> Unbelievably bad. And then over the next five minutes... Do you remember I what you said, AJ? I, well, I'll get to that in a second. I essentially had the realisation of, oh my God, it was. So it wasn't until about five minutes after the film that I realised how much I hated it. Because when I, we were walking down the stairs and I was like, I think I liked it more than The Force Awakens. And now looking back, I'm like, well, no, I clearly didn't. It was more, what it was, was that I care about these characters and I care about the story. And that was enough to dope me into tolerating everything this movie did for its entire duration before I then realized how damaging this movie is and how bad it is and how despicable and un just simply unprofessional it is to to have undone everything and and it it leaves you with a with a lack of cohesion it leaves you with with just a jaw-droppingly poorly planned out script mm. and look i'm after the supposed backs behind the scenes leaks which may or may not be true and i don't think they are true i think i'm falling on the this is bullshit side um i'm cautious though to blame jj or blame kathleen kennedy or blame someone specific whoever made these decisions are insanely bad and i think while while I understand your or though disagree with your guys' criticisms of the first two the storyline going through the first two films, I do think if you had hired someone else who didn't have a stake in what they wanted to happen, like JJ, I think some a different creative mind, a different filmmaker could have landed this ship. Yeah, Colin Trevorrow. Colin um, Trevorrow would have been a better choice than J.J. Abrams yeah. in retrospect uh, unless the stuff that people are saying about Disney is true that yeah. he was completely like manhandled by Disney um, but yeah for, for a kind of concise summary of, of all of our thoughts AJ's video on this is, is very good I just want to name check two things yeah. the people talk about like you know oh you either have to like you either if you don't like this movie it's because you loved L Last Jedi or because you you think that you know all that sort of stuff there is just bad filmmaking that has to be called out so like Knights of Ren being a rip-off Nazgul that like wield medieval weapons for some reason like what the hell are they doing in this movie honestly 
The other one is the placement of that that ship in the middle, like like a five minute like speeder journey through tunnels from this major like festival city. Mm. This ship that is apparently sat there for like what over twenty years in perfect working order. That no one no one on this planet has like gone and stripped it for parts or checked to see if it's working and like flown it off. Like there is absolutely no way that that ship would have been sitting high atop this rocky outcropping for everyone to see. I just mm. when that I, happened, I, I was honestly, like, I'm off this movie. I could talk about this movie yeah. for fucking hours and we did after the fucking screen <laughs> but um sorry um shout out to zachariah mcintyre if you're listening um uh this but, is, this movie's going down in history this is going down in yeah. history as one of the most but, bafflingly bad pieces of hollywood cinema that has ever happened yeah but i do um but I, I hate that this and like we spoke about it i think with um godzilla king of the monsters is that like there's this oh you didn't get it it's supposed to just be fun and all this stuff it's like no this is actually these these are offensively bad movies um <laughs> you you deserve better than this you yeah. deserve better than godzilla king yeah, of the yeah. monsters yeah. um and so it's you don't be afraid to ask for your blockbusters to be good um mm. but and so, there's also yeah. a difference between what we're criticizing and what um like last jedi mra deniers did where they attacked kelly marie tran i'm i'm specifically going out of my way to not attack individual people and even the ones i'm most potentially angry at like jj abrams i'm open to the the idea that it maybe wasn't their fault and that's important because you don't you don't know what happened okay so uh little woman uh this has only just come out in new zealand um i went to go see it last night and you know what it was the first time in my entire life that i've walked out of a movie (gasps) uh during it what um so 45 was it because it's about women uh 45 minutes into actually i left because i had to take care of a woman um not that she needs me to take care of was it because Um, all the women were actually regular sized uh, and you were like these aren't little women at all uh no so 45 Uh, minutes you don't know how wrong you are jeremy but i'll get that to that after 45 minutes into this movie i um uh jess my my girlfriend i was with uh, back one of my life um was very sick and um we had to leave and it's pretty disappointed about it i do want to see the rest of the movie so aj what is your non-spoiler not at all spoiling a single thing about the plot um the reason it's called little woman jeremy is because florence Pugh is 23 years old and plays a 14 year old for a lot of uh no but that that's i don't even know if i'd call that a problem with it if that but if it is that is my only problem with it this movie is fucking gorgeous this is amazing i loved little woman it's for the first 20 to 30 minutes i was like this isn't really hitting you know they're not really resonating with me that much i've been kind of into the idea of the resurgence of period pieces being made for people who aren't just my mum um you've like, got um, this, emma you've got coming out soon emma coming out the favorite i would say applies to this yeah, as well true, true. but for the first 20 minutes i was like this kind of is just the type of movie my mum would like um and not me but then it just gets so complex um and and emotional some of the the um the characters and their decisions and their feelings in this are so wonderfully warm and human and relatable uh i when watching it there's a scene in it i won't say anything more than there's a scene in it where there are going to be gift sets on tumblr of the scene with the dialogue under it because it's it articulates a feeling you don't really see in movies it kind of feels like this is going to be uh the 2020s um uh 10 things i had about you kind of thing in my opinion 
Okay, so occupy the same occupy the same space as ten things I had about you. Nice. Um, okay, so um, couple of films that didn't end up coming out. Super Intelligence, that one with um, Melissa McCarthy, directed by her husband, with uh, James Corden voices the microwave. That's now going straight to HBO Max. So check and keep an eye out for that. Uh, Dan, call- now I have to get HBO Max. <laughs> uh, call of the Wild, Christmas in the Wild, um, which related related to got Holiday in the Wild. We've talked about that, so we don't talk about that. Uh, Six Underground, uh, Net- Michael Bay's new film on Netflix, uh, starring. Ryan Reynolds, written by the guys that wrote Deadpool. I watched it. It's real bad. It's it's weirdly bad as well for a film starring Ryan Reynolds and written written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. There's, it's it's not fun. It's it's um it's it's a classic convoluted Michael Bay. Oh, just turn your move, turn your brain off, kind of movie. But uh, it's like no, turn the movie off. Um, <laughs> More like turn the movie off. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, the, the plot is so convoluted, and it's just it's just not very interesting. Uh, on, on Netflix as well this year, we had The King, which is one that I quite wanted to see. With it's, an, it's a Shakespeare adaptation. I tried to start watching it three times. Yeah, it got it I'm got bad never, reviews. So I'm like, never in the mood for it. Yeah. I'm never in the mood for it. Um, there was uh, The Laundromat as well, which is Steven Soderbergh's film about the Panama Papers. I watched it. It's real weirdly bad. Yeah. Like, my wife watched it over yeah. six different watchings. It's fucking weird. It's a fucking weird movie. And I, after the first, after the scene with Meryl Streep in the Las Vegas apartment, yeah. look, I just was like, I don't want to, I, I just don't care. It's, it's a real weird movie. And Meryl Streep does not like blackface, but like Spanish face. <laughs> um, um, which is mind-boggling that someone as outspoken as Meryl Streep would do that. Yeah. Um, there's oh, the movie, uh, The Last Thing He Wanted as well, which is about the 1984 presidential election, which I am looking forward to. That comes that premieres this month at Sundance. It hasn't come out yet. But the big, um, two big releases for Netflix this year, obviously, are The Irishman and Marriage Story. Um, the, the uh, you know, sombre story about divorce and the the cool mob film one of which stars ray liotta um <laughs> and uh so the irishman what do we think we've, we've all watched the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah so uh so aj and i saw this managed to see this in cinema not together which i'm jealous of oh fuck i'm so glad i saw it in the cinema holy shit why would you watch this if not in the cinema it's yeah. so hard to get through otherwise not that it's bad it, oh, well, it, I- it, it is very long yeah, I, I kind of watched it as a mini series because yeah, which at the I moment, think is probably the way to watch it. At the moment, home. I am basically watching movies like uh, I'm staying up with my daughter um, until she chooses to go to sleep between the hours of basically ten or eleven thirty. Um, so I have this sort of window of between like nine o'clock and ten thirty that I can like watch whatever I want in, and so I watched. I watched uh, The Irishman over three nights. Yeah, and nice. I think, honestly, that's... That's, that's the way to watch it. It's think, kind yeah. of a... It's definitely a three-part miniseries. Yeah. It, it, it is long and you do feel the length, I would say, but it's it's very well crafted. Oh. And the last half hour is probably the best Thing. half hour of cinema I've seen all year. Yeah. Um, and it's... I'm so glad this movie exists. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that uh, Joe Pesci came out of retirement to do it because he's fucking incredible in this movie um and uh you can say what you will about the de-aging about i i think it works about I know, how the physical performances um, of the young men and stuff but like that. it's um i'm glad I'll, that I'll tackle de-aging don't worry that scorsese de niro pesci pacino all made this film at this point in their lives because they are um it's it's a very regretful and retrospective kind of movie and you need 
uh, Goodfellas and Casino to exist for mm. this movie to exist. And yeah. it's like, if those are- It's the next generation. Yeah. If, if those are the big parties and the weddings, this is the funeral. Yeah. And it, it's it's the death of that. And if this was the last film Scorsese ever made, what a fucking legacy to leave behind. Yeah. So, uh, yes to most of that. Um, I The last half, the last, sh- the last scene, breathtaking. Yeah. Um, but I found this movie very hard to connect with, mainly because as soon as Jimmy Hoffa, um, Al Pacino's character, is introduced for the next hour and a half, I had no idea what the movie was about. <laughs> I was not able to follow it. I was didn't and like I watched the. I didn't. You know, I'm in a cinema, so I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not distracted by anything. I just didn't understand what the movie. I didn't understand what a full length feature film length was in this movie you know what i mean like there is a a 90 minute segue a segment in this film where i could not follow it and i did not understand what it was about um and that's because i'm real fucking dumb uh but i enjoyed i I think it really helped that i i mean for me you and i are quite intelligent (laughs) but it just richard you agreed with me you didn't understand it either i I know the history i know the history the real life history of jimmy hoffa and like i know like with the um the unions and the teamsters and all the tension that was going on that like i was aware of that history and so for me it was quite easy to follow all of that because i understood the stakes of what was going on Mm. so that's that's great and so i'm i'm cautious to uh knock the movie on that on just me having comprehension problems and not just you know to me it's like i don't really understand why you need this because the the start the first act and the third act feel like a complete movie to me i don't like other than maybe a few relationships that need to be fleshed out my main problem with this movie is the de-aging i've come to realize that i think it looks shit i don't think it's there at all i think it looks really bad and I think it's the worst seed major film CGI of the year because while cats, 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 well, I'm glad you asked. Cats is objectively worse, but that is the world of the film. Like you are, yeah. you are immediately you're, you're opening a picture book to these two bright colors and shoddily pa- faces pasted on CGI bodies. That's the world of the film. The world of the Irishman is supposed to be grounded and realistic, and the CGI took me straight out of the world yeah, of that I, film. I, I think it's you, more it detrimental should be to the film. that you have a sixth sense for bad de-aging for some for reason. For sure, but other other people have <laughs> talked about this as well. Yeah, and but like, I, I, when, I, on the other hand, I, I, it's not perfect, but it's it's good enough that- I was willing to accept it. Yeah, I was willing the to- the terms of and, having those and actors. It's, this is one of the tools they needed to use to tell the story. And- Everything else around mm. it is so beautiful that I don't and- know what I would. Ch- I don't know if it would have been better to get younger actors or what they could have done, but like the, the if Robert De Niro at his youngest, they've made his eyes so fucking piercing, and I was like, "What are you doing? Why are his mm. eyes so bright? It's yeah. so weird, man." And he and he just he moves like a like an old man, and they all move yeah. like old men, and their their performances are incredible, but yeah. I that took me out of it. Yeah. Yeah, so Marriage Story, the other big uh, Netflix release. Um, this is one I put this in my top ten for the end of the year. I'm I'm really interested about this. I'm really interested in this movie because there's the scene in it, obviously that everyone's um, you know 
talking about and with the, the big yeah. argument scene, which is fantastic. The both of the actors in this film are incredible. Um, but I think this film suffered greatly by being released on Netflix uh, because whereas The Irishman is something you see the three and a half hour runtime and your average person doesn't want to watch that. Whereas uh, your average person sees a just shy or about around about two hour runtime. Um, they see Adam Driver, they see Scarlett Johansson and they go, oh yeah, fuck it, yeah, I'll chuck this on. This seems like it'd be a good movie. Um, this isn't um, to all the boys I've loved before. It's no. not um, the kissing booth. It's like, it's a uh, Noah Bornbach. I don't, I don't actually know how to say his last name. I've never had to say Bornbach. that loud until now. Um, it, it's, um, it's a full-on drama. It, it's a full-on drama. It's an indie film. It's um, it's a character piece. It's, it's, not very, it's pretty depressing. It's but, trying to say stuff. But now- and it's all this, all these things that this would have got a tiny cinema release. Barely yeah. anyone would have seen it. Those, those that will have would have praised it. But now, until it got Oscar buzz, and yeah. then people would have and then people would go see it, and they and they In understand it. Whereas now, um, anyone can fucking watch this movie. Uh, anyone with a Netflix subscription um, can take a break from you season two and watch <laughs> um, Marriage Story. And um, so now it's getting people that are like. Uh, they're they're watching it on their phone or they're on their phone while they're watching it on TV. Um, and they go, you know what? I'm just some fucking nobody. And I think that yelling equals bad acting because I heard that somewhere. And it's like, no, th- this is actually, uh, yeah, yelling. If you, I've, I've done an acting course. I did, did acting course for two years. People do think that yelling and crying are the two shortcuts to being a good actor they're not but that doesn't mean that they automatically make it bad acting when the characters in the script actually demand yelling and crying from you yeah then and that's the when, right it, time when to you've do got it. adam driver and scarlett johansson at their yeah. best performances they've ever done and when you care about the actors as well yeah. the characters yeah. as much as you care about these two yeah. um wedding marriage story wedding story divorce story more like is my second highest rated film of the year I fucking loved this film. I thought the performances were great. Everything that everyone has said that is good about it is good about it. It is that good, in my opinion. Um, it's the they are the best performances of the year, and I really hope they take home the acting Oscars. For yeah, this it's really film. interesting. I watched this movie after you guys watched it, and I heard both of you loved it. Um, and I, for some reason, the attitude I was in at the time or whatever, like I didn't love it as much as you guys did, and I was kind of like, eh. Like, I was a little bit cynical about the film and about the characters. I went back and watched it a second time nice. because I was really? just like, yeah, I went back because I was just like, you guys really love this movie. And I feel like I didn't because I I came to the movie after the whole Twitter sort of there was this weekend on Twitter where everyone in America it was, memeing the, was memeing the movie and stuff like that. And I was just like, OK, I'll, ha- I'll watch it. And so I came to it. But then I, I watched it again with the view to not watching the movie, but almost like consuming the performances. Yeah. And oh, man, it was cool. I yeah. loved it on second watch. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And on second watch, I felt the I felt the tragedy of it more. Whereas the first time I watched it, I really felt like, oh my gosh, these people just need therapy. Like, yeah. and you know, like yeah. honestly, these are both just two very emotionally immature people who don't know how to make a relationship work, and they're and the movie's trying to make me care about it. I think when you go into this movie not thinking that this is a marriage story to like a sort of a meta story about marriage, but just a character study of these two people who are in a tragic situation, I think it's much better for you. Yeah, so um, Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi's uh, latest film. Loved it. It's good. It's real good. It's real good. (laughs) Yeah, I put this... This is my top 10. This is my favorite Taika Waititi film. I think that the reason it had kind of a middling critical response was because people were confused by, they thought they needed to be offended by it, where it's it's actually a very 
anti what people think it's pro yeah movie. i think there's still a lot of people that are like you can't joke about hitler well and and i, I was just listening to a review of this because i wanted to understand why why sort of reputable critics yeah. do not like this movie as much as they do and their their criticism which i think there is some legs to is that they takawatiti is making a film about nazis about the horrors of anti-semitism and racism and all that sort of stuff but he doesn't show any of the bad like oh, oh, the he like other than the death of Scarlett Johansson, which hit me like a ton of bricks in the chest. Oh, I did best, not, one of the best moments of film of the year. Yeah. Oh, honestly, I was just like, huh! and the way that it's introduced with their shoes, it's just like, and you don't even oh, realize how much he's focusing on the shoes until they, it, it, all that's it's, it's masterful. That's filmmaking. That's yeah, totally. Filmmaking. It was absolutely incredible. It was it was the red coat. You know, like it's 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 yeah, honestly. Yeah. It's so good, but the thing is, people people are saying, "Oh, you know, he that he's playing off the horrors of the Holocaust, and he's showing like Stephen Merchant being a jokey, laughy Gestapo officer and stuff like that." And I'm like, the thing is that this film comes in the context of uh, like two decades of films about the horrors of the Holocaust. There's mm. been the and also the it comes pajamas. in the middle of the resurgence of actual Nazis. Yeah, no, and and mm. so the thing is, what this film is saying, it's it's not. I don't think this film. This film knows it's coming in the context of Schindler's List and The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Everyone has had a chance to watch movies about how awful the Holocaust is. And this film is one of the only ones that shows like what it could be from the perspective. And again, it's that empathy thing. Like you're having It's about humanity. It shows the empathy. It gives you empathy for people who are growing up in a situation where they're taught how to hate. And it's giving you a way of reframing that and saying this is why you shouldn't hate even if you've been taught how to. And and it's not doing the job of saying how bad the Holocaust was. It expects you to know that. It's doing a job of um, showing how stupid Nazism is. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, like it's yeah. it's showing it's making fun of it. The amount of times they say Heil Hitler over and over again, uninterrupted in this film in a row, that that does that thing where it stops sounding like a real word. And mm. that I think is this movie in a microcosm. It makes yeah. it makes being a Nazi. It shows how how silly being a Nazi is, mm. which is more indicting than anything else you could say. And yeah, it, it, it's about how silly hate and prejudices if you think about it using the eyes of a child and also like this film is fucking serious as hell like mm. it's it's a classic um and i think people that only know taika from what we do in the shadows and um thor ragnarok which is his kind of big introduction to the u.s mm. market uh don't see that like boy and heart for the world of people actually these like dr- like really yeah not what they're not really serious films but they have this really heartfelt message which is i think is the genius of taika waititi that doesn't come across as much in something like thor ragnarok even the people say it does um but it doesn't really mm. um and also i just want to give a shout out to sam rockwell what a fucking oh my god oh, so he's the good. king of amazing character arcs for despicable characters well, yeah, I, I think you I did not expect to feel sad when he died in this movie, but he's such a fucking hero at the end when he rips the coat off Jojo and spits at him. I was like, oh my God, it's so fucking sad. I need to watch this movie again. I yeah. loved it, man. I, I, I loved yeah. it so much. I think that yeah. was the one other thing I was going to say about this movie is I think what's really beautiful is it shows how the terror of, of an ideology like that that can actually hold people captive within it. Mm. So Sam Rockwell's character like and Alfie Allen's character, like they are 
hated within this ideology, but they are forced, almost forced to kind of, it shows like not everyone's courageous. Not everyone has the bravery and the mm. kind of like the, some people are a little bit cowardly and like just stay within it because they don't know how else to be. And so you see nuance in evil and the fact that people are just human, right? And so some people who are humans get caught up in this kind of stuff and they don't know how to get out of it. And I think that that's a really important message as well. Yeah. Um, so can we, can we rattle off a few obligatory mentions that I don't have much to say about? Uh, just yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Jojo Rabbit's one of those ones. It's in my top, it wasn't in my top 10, but it's like, it probably should be, and it could easily sub out <laughs> any other film. Uh, the last film, sorry, just before we did it, we, we talked about yeah. on the podcast last year was Guns and Kimbo, which didn't end up coming out this year, but I did get a chance to see, and it's not very good. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, what, what are some big ones that you don't have much All right, to say? Um, the, the, I feel like uh, we need to mention Dolomite Is My Name, really good. I uh, yeah, don't have much great, to say about fun. it. Yeah. We've already talked about Klaus and other podcasts, so you go listen to that. Ad Astra has listened on me over time. I know you didn't like it, Jeremy. Um, oh, I, I, abso- I absolutely hated this movie. It was like, it purported to be this massive like emotional journey, and all it was was a guy figuring out that he needed to talk to his wife more in order to be a human. Yeah. <laughs> and stop me if you if you want to stop and talk about these. Uh, Doctor Sleep, like Zombieland Double Tap. I thought it was going to be fucking shit, and it was great. It was Doctor Sleep's great. I'd recommend Doctor Sleep. Yeah, it's I, less, I, I, another one I didn't get to see. It's it's less prestigious as The Shining. It's more like a real good um, FX drama. It feels like a TV show more than a movie, mm. but it's really good. Um, the Peanut Butter Falcon is really good as well. For yeah, a while, really that nice. was in my top ten. Uh, but it just got pushed out. Uh, the lighthouse is crazy and as manic and as wonderful as it looks. It's, I wasn't it, the, a bigger the, fan of it though. The I was performances. Like, the, the lighthouse was one that I got told all year was like, "This is the best film of the year," and they watched it. And I was like, "Ah, eh. it was it was this year's hereditary." Speaking mm. of this year's hereditary, T- totally. Um, um I, yeah, I was just want to say that Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are fucking awesome in the lighthouse. I really yeah. love them. Yeah, hereditary, constantly. midsummer. Yeah, midsummer. <laughs> Fuck, man. So, um, Hereditary, uh, again, was it last year it came out? Um, I had a whole year of people telling me, like, and I I really didn't want to see it because I'm not a big horror person, but I had a whole year of people telling me this is the best film of 2018. And they watched and I was like, that was it? Like, that's what everyone was going on about? Sure, Tony Collect's incredible, whatever. But then uh, I heard the same similar things about Midsummer. It's actually really good. And I was like, whatever. Now, I think I I just won free tickets to it. So we're like, okay, fuck it. (laughs) <laughs> we'll go so it's like three weeks after it came out and holy fuck i was blown away by this film this is incredible i did not expect to love this film as much as i did this could have been 30 hours long and i would have been captivated the whole time this was i i was i fell in love with this movie florence Pugh needs to be the biggest star in the world she's incredible yeah and from the first 45 minutes a little woman she was great in there as well um <laughs> but Oh my god, Midsummer Man, what a fucking ride. This was so good. I agree with yeah. you until the end. What, so that it was good. Yeah, like I agree that the movie was an amazing ride, mm. but where the ride finished really spoiled the movie for me. Interesting. Um I felt Why? like and this is, this is what I've heard. I've never I haven't seen Hereditary, but this is what I've heard about Hereditary as well, is that it introduces this fascinating concept and all this sort of stuff. And then it's almost like uh what's his name? Who's the director? Uh, uh, Harry Aster. Aster. Yeah. That he's 
he has this where he he knows so well how to create mood, how to create tone, how mm. to create nuance, and and, and how and to like, get like just the most blood curdling screams out of people. <laughs> yeah, totally. And how to like really make you feel incredibly uncomfortable yeah. and like all this sort of stuff, whilst showing you the most beautifully shot, like mm. wonderful scenes, like all this sort of stuff. Like this is what I found amazing about Midsummer is it basically turns all the horror tropes on their head yeah. because it's shot in the brightest sunlight with the most mm. beautiful surroundings and all this sort of stuff, and he managed to. create the most creepy vibes out of mm. out of that which i think is masterful yeah the issue is I, th- I just don't think he has anything to say and so midsummer i was so excited like what is this movie saying like what is what is so horror as a genre is at its best when it's saying something about us about culture about humanity about our relationships with one another and midsummer i was like man this is so interesting like wow what what what, what has this got to say and the ending is going to reveal what he kind of his thesis statement and it just didn't like the, I he disagree. was just satisfied with creeping us out and nah, going no way. how fucking weird are these people this movie is about um how how, how to recognize you're in a toxic relationship mm. and knowing when to cut it off that's yeah. what this movie's about it's a breakup movie this yeah. is the breakup movie of the year. I'm sorry, Mary Story. <laughs> what I loved about Midsummer is that it's so terrifying and creepy and real visceral horror movie ways, but then it's also terrifying in the ways where it's like, hey, what if you were the only one in your friend group that nobody actually liked? Oh my God, yeah. terrifying. Like, that yeah. is terrifying. That's it, yeah, the real it's, it's more um, like, if you're like me, you're not really a horror person. Aside from like a couple of moments of like gore, the, it's not really like a horror movie. It's just real stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's. Yeah, I, I was just stressed speaking, out. <laughs> speaking of stressful, can we briefly touch on Uncut Gems? Um, yeah. Fantastic film. Adam Sandler is a tour de fucking force in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that comes out on Netflix in New Zealand at the end of January. Um, yeah, so check that out. It yeah, is fucking I, insane. I, I couldn't watch past the first 15 minutes because I found it too stressful. I was like, I can't there handle this much talking and noise. <laughs> yeah. A glowing, um, okay. a glowing recommendation. Um, so we've got, there's only like two big movies I feel like we we need to talk about. One of which is what are El Camino. Um, yeah, okay. The Breaking Bad film. Um, but what, what else is there to say? It shouldn't have been as good as it was. It shouldn't yeah. have even existed. And it does exist. And it's really good. <laughs> okay. But now, because uh, Jeremy has to leave very soon. Um, and we've been excited to talk about this film. We've got five minutes to talk about it. Oi. Parasite. Um, best film of the year. I, I not 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 my number one pick, but the best film of the year. Absolutely, yeah, same, same. I, I, <laughs> I, I, game feels disingenuous to not put as my number one film of the year. But holy fuck, Parasite is the best film of the year. Jeremy, why do you disagree? <laughs> no, I like. I want to hear more about what you love about the movie because, I, like, I do not think this is a bad movie in any way. This is a very, very well made movie, yeah. and I would not mind if it won best picture. Like, yeah. it is. Just in every aspect, it's beautifully shot. All the performances are brilliant. Like, uh, like for me, okay, I will tell you why. Like, I don't put this higher. Yeah, there is no goodness in this movie. There is no good character. Not a single person in this film is like. And and it's interesting because I maybe because of where I'm at in life at the moment. Like, I have just had a baby. Like, I'm. I lose patience with films that just seek to critique every single aspect of every character or like there isn't i i want films that are introducing goodness or showing 
a, like not just critiquing what's bad, but also showing what is the right way to live mm. or showing what is good and what should be done in such a situation. And I feel like this movie is just burn it all down. You know, that, well, that, I, when I, you finish this film, it's just like everything's fucked and it's making everyone fucked. Yeah, but I think that's a, an important thing in the film is because it's about how, because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, you know, the rich family did nothing wrong. And so, why are they Wrong. the victims of all Incorrect. this? Incorrect. But then it's like, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 whole class system and all the stuff mm. is that like, it, it's it, it, it's the, this genuinely, I guess, kind of like evil family that are overtaking this this family. But mm. there's evil on both sides of them. Yeah, yeah, and and, and 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 essentially, you're not viewing the characters necessarily just as individual people. You're seeing them as avatars they, and metaphors for that, that, the placement in society. That's, yeah. yeah. That's what I wanted to say is that this is a movie about about class structure and so class abuse becomes the number one sin of the movie. So the poor family are they might be kind of like uncouth, but I love them. I'm like I they are my family, you know. Whereas the upper the, the upper class family are rich and arrogant and um dismissive and like fetishize being poor in a way that's really, really damaging. Um and so this this exists in a world where being classist is the worst sin of all and everything else takes a backseat to that. Yeah, and and I don't disagree with any of that, and I totally understand what the movie's doing and where it's mm. going. I just would never ever want to watch this movie again because I didn't enjoy it. Like I had to watch this. Movie <laughs> I love in, movies like that. <laughs> I had I had to watch this movie in three parts just because I did not like. I I just didn't like anyone. Um, I also just think uh, Bong Joon Ho is such an interesting director. Um, and like the other thing about this movie, it's so funny. Mm. And like it, mm. it's it's and, and like all of his films, especially like Okja. Um, on Netflix, uh, they're so funny. They're mm. like, like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in Okja, um is like, does he realize he's not in a cartoon? Um, <laughs> and I think it's he doesn't uh, like he, he does a really good job of not sort of talking down to the audience when it comes to the like Koreanisms in the film. Um, there's just a lot presents it as it is. Yeah, like like yeah. He, he's making the film he wanted to make. He's not tailoring it for an english-speaking audience but it's at the same for time the world of people yeah he's not he's not um <laughs> uh you know he's not excluding them in any way and um there's some really interesting there was a really interesting thread on reddit that was like um what are some references and jokes that we might not have gotten in that and and if you could find it like have a read through because there's so many just mm. jokes in that that take on a whole new meaning there's a thing about like he opens a, um the father mentions opening a cake shop which is like so many people in south korea have lost their fortunes opening cake shops it's, right. it's like a, a joke like that and there's another thing there's a scene where uh the son is teaching his dad how to act and he's like and bong Joon ho says that um that scene's quite funny for korean audiences because that's like having a scene of um ansel Elgore teaching al pacino how to act because of <laughs> because that's those, those people's status in south yeah. korea um the thing I the thing I want to say about this film yeah. is like the moment that made me go <gasps> like like because they were the, <laughs> can I feel like I'm constantly have to defend myself for not placing this <laughs> higher when I do actually like a lot about it yeah the moment that made me go and I feel like it's not a surprise 
is the torrential downpour of rain when everything falls apart oh, yeah. and they have to go home and they really and and literally they go from the top of the city to wading through shit to to wading through shit in their underground like like just that, that oh, physical fuck, it's a good movie that physical so representation good. like as a filmmaker to conceive of like that just visually and not even just visually but like like placement and and the daughter just actually just going like you know what whatever what the fuck I'm just gonna sit on top of this toilet as it spews. Shit. Mm. I, like and it's just this deep deep like it's so concerning but it's, it's so powerful. funny and the fact that it's funny is also concerning the fact that like this image of her just like kind of crying when she's on the toilet and it's like spewing mm. out shit like it's such a visceral reminder to you of the placement of where these people are in society just yeah. by mere virtue of the fact that they don't have money and i think that that it, it's it's so good at what it does so i mm. completely agree with you but i i can't say i enjoyed it that right. much well you're right if the academy really wanted people to think they're woke this would get best picture yes yes so that's what i was saying before is that like i i, I feel like best picture is between this marriage story irishman and once upon a time in hollywood once upon a time in hollywood only sneaky in there as the a safe academy choice but it's between yeah. those three all right so that's, those, it? that's it what okay guys what was your favorite movie of the year everyone want to go around and say that um uh yep. Endgame was my was my most enjoyable, but Parasite was the best. Uh, my my favorite movie from what I think is the best and most enjoyable is Knives Out as well. As yeah, I agree. And guys, Richard and Jeremy and me, AJ, what was the most disappointing film of the year? Everyone say it on three. One, two, three. Star, Star Wars, Wars The, the Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Um, the worst movie I watched this year, just for the record, is um, there's a documentary on Netflix called Enter the Anime, and it's one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, 2019. And we'll uh, be back next week with the most anticipated films of 2020. Is that what we're calling um, it? Do you, you want to change it. the name, AJ? Yeah, I want to, guys, I want to change it to the dumbest looking films of 2020 oh, to give it like a controversial. A symmetry with the most disappointing films um, of. Yeah, but so then, uh, but then if, if we say this one looks real dumb, then we're not going to be disappointed by it. I feel like well, you need then, the anticipation. Anyway, this know. is a conversation. Yeah, maybe for you do. Pod. That's a good point. Well, um, we'll we'll have figured it out by next week. Yeah. All right, here I am back at the end with a little outro. For you, it's been nearly an hour and a half. For me, it's been but four seconds. Uh, and here it is. Here's the outro, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, well, listening, I should say. But if you did want to watch me and watch us, then you can find links to um, videos that we discussed in this episode at the in the show notes below, such as the Star Wars um rise of skywalker debrief or the knives out video which at the time of recording this episode i hadn't fully made yet but i've made it now and it's out and you can watch it and you should and i'm really proud of it um if you liked this podcast and you like those videos then please do not hesitate to subscribe to cold popsha on youtube to follow us on facebook like us on facebook fuck i'm getting all over i'm all over the place um you can follow us on twitter though and instagram Uh, and you can also donate to our patreon www.patreon.com slash coldpopsha or you can join our discord all of these will there's got there are so many links in the show notes these days so follow all of the links in the show notes and do the appropriate um uh you know response whether that be following liking subscribing 
or just enjoying just having a good time but that's it for this week guys uh or is it because maybe just maybe we have a new segment called post-credit scenes so if you stick around until just after this outro music finishes then there'll be a little surprise Uh, all right. Um, thank you for listening to that episode of the Kyle Popshire podcast. Uh, what a fun one that was to record. Um, it sure was. Yeah. So uh, this is our post-credit scene, our second one for the year. Um, and if you want to get in on these, if you want to send us a, a challenge or a question or whatever uh, that we can do in one of these, uh, you've got to join our Patreon. Sorry, you have to do it. <laughs> dub 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 dot patreon dot com slash cult popsha yep. and today's post credit scene comes to us from brent taylor longtime listener of the show and he asks what's the best movie with the worst sequel or what's the biggest drop off between a movie and its sequel biggest quality drop off now i think you could take half a dozen star wars movies and apply yeah rise of skywalker <laughs> a bunch of them to to these yeah um I've always been, and we've 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 yet to cover this show on the podcast, um, but oh, sorry, this franchise on the podcast. But I've always been dumbfounded at how bad Pirates of the Caribbean has been at making a good sequel mm. because the first one's so good, and the, and I just don't think it would be that hard to make a good sequel to Pirates of the Caribbean, but they like haven't done it. Um, yeah. I'm sure there are examples of movies where the sequel is like much worse than any of the parts of the caribbean sequels but those are the yeah two that uh, i mean because there's a lot of movies uh like uh mean girls has mean girls 2 mm. um legally blondes to legally from legally blonde oh my god there's so many films in that kind of straight to dvd genre that it's like uh yeah i mean you can pick almost any of those i mean of the ones i've seen mean girls 2 was pretty bad yeah compared yeah. to mean girls 1 <laughs> which is a fantastic agreed film. Agreed.